Hi, this is Glenn Dawson, and you're listening to Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. And I'm Linda Dawson, and we're so glad you joined us today. It's good to have you in our studio. We took a trip this week to Paducah with a Lexington Community Senior. It was a nice little ride across the state of Kentucky with our beautiful scenery of our state. It was an overnight trip, and we stayed at a nice hotel there at Patty's Cove. The scenery around the land between the lakes there at Kentucky Lake is gorgeous. We heard the fishing was good, too. We ate some wonderful meals at very nice restaurants. We ate at Tony York's on Main and Glendale on the way there and Patty's 1880s restaurant in Grand Rivers, Kentucky. On the second day of our little trip, we went to the International Quilting Museum. Now, as a guy, I didn't think I'd have a lot in common with Quilting Museum. I certainly don't know anything about it. But I looked at these creations that had been painstakingly worked together. I was certainly impressed. They have quilts that have been made into photographs that look just like pictures. The details are amazing. There was such beautiful artistry, and it was very pleasant to look at and hard to imagine that such art was possible with quilting. We also attended the Civil War Museum in Paducah. There were interesting artifacts from the Civil War era. They had an exhibit there that was of particular interest to me. They had a display of the very first saxophone owned by Boots Randolph. Now, Boots Randolph is one of my favorite saxophone players, and it was interesting to see this old sax. We took some videos of our trip, and we'll post those on YouTube in the next couple of weeks, so you can have a look at them. Well, again, a nice trip, and the peaceful ride home with reading and looking at YouTube was pleasant, too. This past week, Forgiven was at the services of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky. We did a Boots Randolph orchestration of The Old Rugged Cross. Vivian sang beautiful as usual. A video of this appearance is on YouTube now. See it on your YouTube channel. This week, we're looking at a song about the light of salvation. Our version of the song is set to a southern gospel music style. Send the Light is a song which uses the call of Paul's vision in which a Macedonian asks him to come over and help them in order to encourage us to send forth God's message of salvation. The text was written and the tune was composed both by Charles Gabriel. Charles Gabriel was born on August the 18th, 1856 in Wilton, Iowa, into a singing family. <clears throat> the Gabriel farmhouse was often the site of neighbors coming by to sing hymns together, led by Charles's father, Isaac. His father also held singing classes in their home, and young Charles became interested in music. His only music education was taught to him by his, by his father, Isaac. Later, his father bought a family he bought the family a reed organ, which Charles taught himself to play. In his autobiography, 60 Years in Gospel Music, Charles reflected on those early years. In my home, we were trained so thoroughly on the Hallelujah Chorus, for instance, that we sang it from memory. Charles was 16 years old when his father died in 1873. 
leaving behind a wife, eight children, and several appointments to teach singing schools. Charles took up his father's schedule and began traveling and teaching, first keeping his father's teaching dates, and then, as his reputation grew, he made his own appointments as he traveled the country. Even though he never had formal training in music, he began to soon as that same year he After a lot of travel, Gabriel returned to Wilton and according to the Demons Register, became the town's leading musician, writing marches, polkas, and leading the town's band. Gabriel played the piano, cornet, and violin, and was a fine singer and excelled at arranging music. There's a story Early in the week, he asked Gabriel if he knew a song to go along with the sermon. The pastor shared the sermon topic and got the topic. Boy, had written a song that Sunday. Word and music. The Reverend McConaughey was a pastor at the Wilton Church for many years. It is also said that young Gabriel wrote the music for one of McConaughey's services. The song, How Could It Be, was later published in Songs for Service, edited by Gabriel, with the music being credited to Charles H. Marsh, possibly one of Gabriel's pseudonyms. Gabriel edited numerous songs, school songbooks, and cantatas throughout his lifetime. In 1890, he began to serve as music director at Methodist Church in San Francisco, while serving in the Sunday school superintendent asked him to write a mission to preach for Sunday. So then the light, which became first The hymn was first sung on March the sixth, eighteen ninety, with great enthusiasm. A visiting missionary heard the song and loved it so much that he carried it back east with him. The hymn became immediately popular. Not only It is one which gave definition to the very general. The harmony lasted, predictable yet predictable. The echoing voice parts are kept well within the syllable of the voices of which they descended. Prolific gospel songwriter of the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Gabriel provided words and our music for a number of well-known hymns, such as He Lifted Me, Higher Ground, His Eyes on the Sparrow, I Stand Amazed, More Like the Master, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart, He Is So Precious to Me, and The Way of the Cross Leads Home, among others. Edward edited numerous collections of anthems, cantatas, and a large songbook for my Homer, Roadhoven, Hope, and Eels, Excelsior, published. The total number of editions is estimated to be about eight thousand. It was thought that in order to keep buyers from thinking their products were collections 
of just Charles Gabriel's songs, his publishers had him to publish many of his works under pseudonyms. His aliases include Charlotte G. Homer, H.A. Henry, and S.B. Jackson. In addition to his publishing company, Road Havier was the song leader at, and the music director for evangelist Billy Sunday. This union between Gabriel and Road Havier ensured that Sunday's revival meetings would be prominently featured as Gabriel's best works, cementing his reputation as a songwriter. He stayed active within the Road Haver and Company until his death on September 14, 1932, in Los Angeles, at the home of his son, Charles Jr. Gabriel was twice married, producing a child in each marriage. His first marriage resulted in a divorce, which was very uncommon in that day and time. On one occasion, in Washington, Iowa, they celebrated the chorister's presence with Charles Gabriel Day. Reportedly, huge crowds turned out for the event, and he was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1982. Gabriel is not only remembered for his prolific pen and unique of music style, but those who knew him credited him as a very genial and kindly-spirited man. His large success had not spoiled him, but seemed rather to have added kindness and helpfulness to his natural generous disposition. He has no sense of rivalry with other composers and no inclination to emphasize their limitations or shortcomings. There is probably no composer in the land who has more friends among music writers, both famous and obscure, than Mr. Gabriel, taken from J.H. Hall, Biography of Gospel Song and Hymn Writers. The text suggests that we are light bearers and light reflectors, but being a light sender or something else, and clearly that it the emphasis of this song. As witnesses for the Lord, we carry the light, but as those who support other servants of Christ by our prayers, we extend the light of the gospel to other places where perhaps we're unable to go. Verse 1 emphasizes the need to save souls. It sets the stage of adventure and distance, the call that comes ringing over the restless waves of the sea, beckoning the would-be missionary to travel over the wild seas and bring peace to the restless lives of those who call for help. The missionaries would go into the into the words of Romans ten fourteen, preach them, but how are they to call on him in whom they have not been believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? The missionary would go, send him. Send the light, bearing messenger. Not only are there souls to rescue and save, they are calling for the gospel. The hearer is a given. The teacher is a given. The only thing lacking is the sender. As Gerald Payton, great missionary and trainer of missionaries, known to say, 
Some give by going, and some go by giving. Without both, no missionary work is done. This calls the Christians to have, that have the means to send a man with a message, a true missionary to bring the light. The song goes, there's a call, comes ringing over the restless wave. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light. The call that comes ringing is through the gospel. Second Thessalonians 2.14 says, He called you to, your, to, to this through our gospel, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This call reminds us that souls need to be rescued because they are precious. In Matthew 16.26 it says, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And because these precious souls have sinned, they need to be saved. Hebrews 10.39 says, But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Verse 2 emphasizes the need to give. We have heard the Macedonian call today. Send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay. Send the light, send the light. One of the places the missionary went on Paul's second missionary journey was Macedonia. That outreach came about this way. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. In Acts 16, 9-10. This is the Macedonian call Charles Gabriel refers to a summons to spread the light of the gospel still further until we fulfill our mandate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, as it says in Mark 16, 15. Just as Paul received a call from a man of Macedonia, so the gospel calls all Christians to shine the light out of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. While we should go where we can, no one individual can go everywhere. But all of us can give a golden offering so that those who can go to other places can be supported. As we read in Philippians 4, 15 and 16, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sent out, went out of Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and, and receiving, except you only. And even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. To lay this golden offering at the cross symbolizes our desire to give bountifully and cheerfully for the work of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Remember this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have, decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us pray that grace may everywhere abound. Send the light, send the light, and that Christ-like spirit everywhere be found. Send the light, send the light. Verse 3 emphasizes that it is grace which must be spread. In days past, well-meaning missionaries have not only imprinted the story of Jesus upon native cultures, but they have also taken Western culture to foreign peoples. Grace is not only given to Americans and American-style churches. In many ways, Christians of other lands would be good not to follow what they see in us. They should look in the Bible and New Testament books for an example of how we best serve Christ in their own local context. Does this not echo the words of Jesus as he chastised the Pharisees' missionary methods? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. In Matthew twenty-three fifteen. Why this condemnation? Because their message was something other than grace. They taught of a God who tied burdens on men. For example, in Luke eleven forty six, Jesus represents a God who frees men. Grace produces thankfulness, which in turn generates Christ-likeness within a Christian. To truly knowing what God has done for each of us and lead us to become more like Jesus each day. God's people should pray, especially for those who are lost. We read in Romans 10:1, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. We should pray that though the preaching of the gospel, grace may abound everywhere. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Verse 4 emphasizes the need to persevere. Whether we sinned or we are sent, it speaks to the hard work we are in for. As motivation, Gabriel points to a heavenly crown, the victory crown of Revelations 2.10. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The souls we have a part in saving will be to our credit, not of meritorious salvation, but of good works which he has prepared in advance for us. In Ephesians 2.10. The jewels adorning this crown sparkle as an eternal testimony to our faithfulness in evangelism. The original words and the chorus are interestingly different from what we sing today. The singer is pictured as one who takes responsibility to spread the gospel willingly. He answers the call with a resounding, Here am I, send me, Isaiah 6. If he is the giver, this thing brings to mind God loves a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Two components of cooperation are mentioned, the heart and the hand. We must be balanced workers to be of lasting impact in God's kingdom. 
The glory, however, goes not to mankind, but to God, who gives the increase. In 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it says, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. In Luke 17, 10. Let us not grow weary in the work of love. Send the light. Send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light. Send the light. In the work of sending the light, we must not grow weary, Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. Good, for it is proper time. We will reap the harvest if we don't give up. We shall not grow weary if we remember that we are gathering up God's jewels for him. Malachi 3.17 And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. It will also help us to preserve, to recall the jewels we gather will also be our joy and crown, Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. The chorus urges us onward to let the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine everywhere. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light. Let it shine forevermore. The Lord says to Paul, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We read in Acts 26, 17, and 18. From our shore to yours, let the light shine. Let the radiant beams of the gospel light the world forevermore. I've heard it said if we were on trial for being a Christian, there wouldn't be enough evidence to convict us. That's a sad commentary. That's not true of all Christians, I'm sure, but it's true enough for many. Stop and think of this for a minute. The only thing we will take with us when we die is our eternal friends. Everything will stay here where the dust collects and things wear out and they decay and they're forgotten forever. But every time we share some testimony of how God has been good to us or some scripture that suddenly means a great deal to us, perhaps we realize something in our life that God is doing for us and we share that with our friends and our loved ones. Maybe we tell our neighbor about what God's doing in our lives or how happy we are with Jesus controlling our lives. That leads to an indelible mark on people's lives. It encourages our brothers in Christ. Maybe you see a brother struggling and you go wrap your arm around him and tell him you love him. Perhaps you give a little something to the ministry. Now you're building treasures in heaven. I have several tracts that I give out 
and I really like one of them about jokes that it shares. Uh, and I share it with people who say, I'd just give this to you just to uh, brighten up your day. I also have some million dollar bills that I share with people, people usually to buy when I buy something or a meal or some other goods. On the back of the bill has a plan of salvation laid out in a way it's easily to understand. I have several cartoon booklets that I give out to kids and others who might need it. Other times I just talk to people and in our conversation it'll come up that the world's in a terrible condition and I'll say what the world needs is Jesus. Usually folks will say well these kids need discipline or we need a better Congress or we need a better government. We need to put God back in our school. But friends, the world needs Jesus. There's no greater than that, the need of Jesus Christ in our lives. Of all the people, no matter who's elected, no matter who's elected for uh, president, no who, nor who's elected for governor, no matter the politics of your city, nothing is going to change the hearts of men. And we need to change a heart in our country. I've heard it said that we need education. People just need to know better than uh, to do that. My friends, people know better. They just don't care. People are more interested in themselves and what they can get, what they have and what they can keep. We need to change a heart so people care about something besides themselves. Satan first said, Let us ascend into heaven and be like the Most High. Satan wants to put you above everything else. Satan wants you to worship anything but God. Even if you're already a Christian, he'll dare everything he can to keep you occupied in something else than sharing Jesus with other folks. He'll do anything to make you unhappy and fail in your efforts to let God have control of your life. Satan is your enemy. When we pray or when we read the Bible, renew our minds with God's Word, when we listen to the Word of God preached to us from spirit-filled preachers, we strengthen our spiritual life. In these things, Christians have a happy life. But if you've never met this wonderful Savior, this Jesus Christ, you have no idea what we're talking about. I've heard it said, life is a mystery. Life is not a mystery to be solved, but a joy to be experienced. And this is true, but there's no real joy outside of Jesus Christ. My friend, hell is real. The word of God says it is appointed unto men once to die, and after death the judgment. And hell is an awful place. And if we do nothing, that's where we end up forever and ever. They have no rest, neither day nor night, and the smoke of their torment ascends up forever and ever. No hope. Eternally damned. Eternally lost. No seconds chances. It's our responsibility 
It's the command of God for each of us Christians to take this message to every living creature. One day we'll stand before God. We'll have to give an account for what we did in the flesh. It's such a simple thing to tell someone about the love of God and His plan of salvation to save them from a terrible destruction. Do you really care? Now let's hear Forgiven do Send the Light. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We trust it was a blessing to you. It makes our day when we hear someone that was blessed by our podcast or music. We'd love to get an email from you. Just send it to glenn.dawson at glenn.dawsonea.com. That's G-L-E-N-N dot Dawson at glenn, G-L-E-N-N 
DawsonEA.com. You can find all our information on our website at www.glendawsonea.com. In addition to our email, you can find information about our Facebook page and Twitter information. You can also find links to our index of all our podcasts and links to all our music on YouTube. We do hope so much you will send your friends and family over to our website to sign up for our newsletter. By signing up, they can win a CD or USB drive with our songs on it. We hope you will enjoy those. And remember now, we love y'all. God be with you. And bye for now.